Welcome back, everyone, to Love, Sex, and Applied Behavior Analysis, the podcast for pop culture and ABA meet. Yay! In just a few seconds, you are about to hear probably one of the most authentic conversations that I have had around love and relationships and being coupled and partnered that I've had in a pretty long time. Um, Fair warning, it is a long segment, but I just don't think that I would have been doing us who, you know, showed up to the conversation, um, but also you all who are about to hear the conversation any justice if I trimmed it or anything like that. So I just, I really, really hope that y'all like it. All right, so I have Jamie on the show again this week as we continue our series with couples. And we also have some special guests. Before I have them introduce themselves, just a gentle reminder, this is not like a professional podcast. You're gonna hear background noise, including my dishwasher in the back. And so just, you know, be very nice in the comments about background noise. So special guests, I'll let you introduce yourself. Everybody always wants professional stuff, don't they? <laughs> um, I don't know. You go. So we're Kristen and Aaron for one thing, uh-huh. but go ahead. You want me to go? Yeah, I want you to I go. I hate introductions. I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> Kristen, this is Aaron. We're both BCBAs. Um, we're both PhD students and instructors for a university and the graduate program for applied behavior analysis and psychology. Well, we teach applied behavior analysis courses. Um, I don't know. I'm a parent. I've got two kids. One is an adult. Uh, I had that one really young, and the other one is ten. And Aaron has a whole gaggle of kids. I have five. Yes, they're only with us part time. So, um, but uh, yeah, we have seven kids total. Yeah, a dog it's that you might hear time. in the background. <laughs> That's a nice, um, big, you know, protective growl. Or yeah, dog will get very on. Will go on well with our, as you can hear, the sirens and our dishwasher. So it's perfect. (laughs) So you all also are moderators, and I think you all started a huge um, BCBA group on Facebook, and then you guys also have a company. So do you guys want to talk about that a little bit? Sure, it's actually part of like the uh, how we met story Um, is uh, we created together um, Confessions of a Behavior Analyst. And so it's kind of a backwards because that's now part of our business. Um, It's just like a a, place where people have conversations and and a a, place where we have online conversations and things like that. But um, after a year of that growing, we um, created a business a kind of component from that based on the values of all of that and in terms of like being honest, being humble, being human. And um, pre-COVID, we were planning a conference, which that has got pushed back to 2021, hopefully. Um, Yeah, we do a lot of trainings around um, gender, culture of humility, um, affirmation, those kind of things. Um, 
through that company. But um, but yeah, do you have anything to add about that? Uh, not really. Pretty straightforward. Yeah. Pretty much. Well, it'll come, it'll come up. We'll explain more later. I was honored to um, be able to attend one of y'all's recent workshops. I mean, y'all are doing just groundbreaking work. So I'm pretty pretty pumped to see that continue. Thanks. Thanks, Cami. Yeah, no problem. Okay, so um, Aaron, as you know, this is kind of the part of the show. It's called Tack Me with Tequila. I drank a little too much yesterday, so I won't be having any tequila. I'm just <laughs> going to like supplement with a little white claw. But pretty much this is the part of the show where I just talk about kind of in more of like a layperson's terms along with like um, behavioral terms, what some of the things are that we'll be talking about. Um, the last two episodes or the episode before last I think we covered the four love languages and then I five love languages just kidding thank you for that silent prompt and um I conceptualized them to kind of fit in with the four functions because as we know our access attention automatic reinforcement escape um I don't know a behavioral term for what love actually is but according to Google it's an intense feeling of deep affection and then I have a feeling we'll probably just talk about I mean a lot of things but definitely reinforcement punishment um probably some matching law I don't know can y'all think of any no but we have matching law tattoos that really into it i love that do you have any other um so jamie is a are you called like an mrt mm -hmm. so a, a master resilience trainer. trainer and so she uses just a lot of positive psychology kind of like act i think a lot of what we would think of act and rft actually in her training are there any other things we didn't cover like terms before that you think we'll probably mention this week? Um, no, I think we kind of covered it in the first two episodes. Oh yeah, and then last week we talked about communication. So for listeners, if you all have not listened to that, I think it was pretty, pretty good. Pretty good we yeah. got some good feedback, which I'm happy about. Um, so the next segment usually is hashtag will press lover for news where I talk about pop culture. But to be quite honest, I've just intentionally tuned out this week. It's just a lot going on and I'm just like, uh, I just kind of want to read more or just binge watch old episodes of Grey's and get on her nerves or have nightmares after she watches um, her true crime. So we'll just kind of skip <laughs> over that segment. And yeah, so a little bit though. <laughs> Dude, I just she's obsessed to like in I mean, I will give yeah, it to you. Crime. They're actually really good, See? especially what is it? I almost got away with it or something. No, you always mentioned that one. I love cold cases. Oh, that. Yeah, okay. Well, they freaked me the fuck out. Yeah. So I just don't like it. <laughs> this one, like I, I can binge watch that stuff too. And I'm not affected by all of that. Like it right? does not have an impact on me and I don't understand. But this one is like, if there's a definition of an empath, it is this one mm -hmm. and will like sink into a depression. Yes. Watching. Yes. We really should have met earlier in life. Like for real. <laughs> that should have been one of the things that should actually, that, let's actually make that the first thing we talk about. How do couples navigate things like that? We legit almost got into like a, it wasn't like an argument argument, but one day she was like, do you realize that out of the course of our relationship, like I half, watched all of her shows 
knows? She's like, how many oh. times do you, and I'm like, yeah, but I have like a, a legit, like psychological, like aversion to these. And, and meanwhile, <laughs> I'm just like really into the forensic science. I'm really into like how years later, they, they come up with ways to like catch these criminals. And she's like emotionally affected <laughs> by this stuff. <laughs> so the really stupid thing is we have more than one TV. And I just like, I'm like, no, I want to be up under you and let's watch TV together. <laughs> and like, and I'm like, I'm not watching Hamilton again. I think the the way that works is this one actually doesn't like to watch that much TV so Mm -hmm. I get all of my whatever I and I can I can burn through some stuff for some even though I have ADHD I can watch something and do a task like like work related tasks at the same time (laughs) Um, and so I will just blow through all of these things it actually makes me more productive and then we only watch things that we really really both really both like mm-hmm. and then you don't care about watching anything that you I don't get it excited so. about tv shows that's one yeah. of the reasons why I, I miss every single pop culture reference that anybody <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about I'm just not into it <laughs> actually so. that kind of reminds me of how I was studying I feel like when I was studying for the boards I had to have background noise but how you study you're like no it I has to be like remote silence and so I was like, oh, guess I'll go to Starbucks or something, yeah. get some outside. Okay, so I would love to know how y'all met. I think, well, and full disclaimer, I did watch your video that you all, because these, these, I mean, just, they release so much content and I'm like obsessed. So full disclaimer, I already know how you met. You say so much content and there's like a still a video that I'm waiting on you to like edit so we I can put out. Computer. And it's like, <laughs> it feels like it takes forever to get certain things out which if it was in my hands it would too because it's just it's a lot life you know yeah but um so we met at a bar yeah i was um doing a crossword puzzle alone (laughs) and um it was at faba in 2016 2017 Mm -hmm. i'm not good with numbers um and i um was sitting at a bar doing a crossword puzzle and I guess it was going to be karaoke night. So I like hung around and, um, and eventually like the whole place was taken over by um, multiple groups, but one being the company that you worked with because Faba mm-hmm. um, is like one of the biggest uh, conferences for ABA that, that there is out there. And so um, your whole group crashed this place. Uh, it was funny because the bartenders had no idea that any of this was going to happen. They were scared. It was, it was, they were under frantic. Uh. Um, but prior to you all showing up, I had met this, um, uh, group of guys that were there. Um, they were like salespeople. They were like whining and dining people or whatever. Anyway, they, they got drunk and one of them was trying to find a girl. And so like, I stood up and I was like, I can help you out with that. And I like stood up and I was like, Oh, that one right there. And it was this one right here. So we started, or we met because I tried to hook her up with some rando at a bar. Which didn't happen. Which didn't happen. (laughs) (laughs) But throughout the course of the night, we sang karaoke together. You grabbed my phone and Facebook friended because your phone was dead. And I now being together with you understand why it's dead. It's, Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like everything comes full circle I understand but um uh I don't know we just we I mean I was I was married at the time like in the process of adopting kids like it was pure friendship like that's what it was and um and we just really connected and started that Facebook group that we have what three days after Mm -hmm. meeting and we met on a Thursday and we started that on a Sunday Mm -hmm. um 
Yeah, we, I don't know. You know, sometimes you meet somebody and it's just like you click, you have chemistry and it's like one out of 50 people that that happens with. We meet a lot of people and most of the time it's like, nope, nope, nope. Like that's not my person. That's not my, area. maybe that's just me, but it's not easy to connect on a real level uh, that's authentic and not layered with bullshit you know yeah. like all the small talk and all of that and for whatever reason whether it's just like personality the way our personalities complement each other or shared we have some definite shared traits and things like that but we just did we just connected on that level where we just clicked um a big part of that too was like i shared my family with me with you you shared your family with me mm -hmm. and at that point in time your kid um you know was yes. going through um, coming out as trans and like I hadn't realized that about myself yet and um, and so like I helped you work through that whole process but in turn and watching that happen and watching your kid um, that kind of helped me through my process mm -hmm. and so for the better part of a year and a half like we were so wrapped up in all of that and this incredible friendship was growing and just trusted relationship um, and then I you know like I had started it was a while before like I can like opened up to you about my marriage and all the stuff that yeah. was really going on. There were, there were hard lines that. about things, like things we didn't talk about, um, lines we didn't cross just because you were married. I wasn't, um, but caution around that, I think, even yeah. though we never really like talked about that or said mm -hmm. anything about it. So yeah, it was a while before we talked about like issues. Yeah. And it was like, it had been really, really bad for, for quite some time. And it was like, right when it got to like, where it was the worst is when I finally broke down and told you. Um, and then a couple months later, like it had ended, mm -hmm. you know? And then once being free of all that, that's <laughs> when we were able to like, like I was able to pop my head up out of the clouds. When you're in an abusive marriage, like you don't see anything, but what's happening, you know? Mm -hmm. And you've got five kids, that's what you're worried about. We were in the process of adopting a kid. Like there's no fucking that up. You don't, like you are head on, like that is the only thing that matters. and. Yeah. Um, and once I think all that kind of cleared, it was like this. Oh my! I remember having this 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 feeling of, and I called you my friend soulmate or something mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, I can't like I can't imagine being was like not having you around for one thing, but not like finding somebody who has all of the things that you have that make me feel so good and that mm -hmm. make me feel so safe. And I think it was only a couple of days after that that it had like. It was funny because I remember before we like, we really realized how we felt. Um, yeah, you always called it like the floodgates were open. I think mm -hmm. that was true. It was almost like in retrospect, I can look back and see like how that foundation was developing to like create this very strong relationship, um, but not identified ever, not looked at ever, not touched ever was just like purely um a friendship but once those barriers and like the fears and all that were gone it was like so easy to just like uh, fall mm -hmm. you know um and it was bizarre and everyone was like oh yeah we knew that was coming and we were like what? <laughs> we no idea. like we're totally did you, all, did you all have the experience when you came out they were like oh yeah we knew about that like yeah we knew that. Yeah, it, it was kind of like that, you know? Like, wait a second, oh. how? <laughs> yeah, Could you have let me in? Like, we didn't know. <laughs> that would have been great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. but I love that.
<laughs> I think one of the things that's really missing just from just the human connection is like that authentic, very, very real, for real connection. And yeah. like, I feel like whenever you find that, I think especially in like friendships and in whatever like your partnered kind of relationship may look like, I don't know. It's just, it's so beautiful. Yeah. I just love that. Love it. I also like that with your story, you all, so one of the things I think we kind of experienced, I was out of a breakup for, you know, a short period of time before we met. And there was this huge, like, well, lesbians move fast. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, actually, like, and, and it was weird because I never knew, or I never thought at least I was the kind of person that was like, when you know, you know, but it, it really was like that. Like before we met online, before we had ever actually like met in person, I knew it was just something about Jamie and her energy, our conversations. And it wasn't like that small talkish anything. Like it was just something we really got deep, very like authentically, very quickly. And I was like, yeah. no, like this isn't this whole like rebound on my end or in her end. Like this isn't this whole like lesbians move fast thing. Like it really is like this thing. And I felt the need to have to explain that to people. Mm -hmm. Did you all feel the need to have to explain like, no, like when I was married, like this actually wasn't even on my mind. Like, was there any kind of pressure to kind of explain that? Oh, 100% to the <laughs> point where like we hit it for quite some time and we actually went to ABAI with the intention of hiding all of this. And we got there and we're like, we're not gonna be able to fucking do this. Like there's no way. <laughs> and it wasn't for the purpose of, because we didn't want anybody to know, but it was the purpose for like, not wanting to hurt anybody. And, yeah. I, and I'm thinking about like my kids and them going back and like what kind of message that sends and them thinking that I had an affair when like mm, I, yeah. I didn't, you know, and it's, it's, I think it's, it, it's not having to explain like, wow, this happened really, really fast. Like, I don't, I, I, I didn't care about that. I cared about the perception that that was going to give and what, um, what that might result like years down the road, you know, if, if, if my kids were to ever, my kids love Kristen, they don't, they don't care, but yeah. You know. yeah. Yeah, they're pretty great for yeah. sure. But right when you get out of a relationship or, you know, there's so much baggage that kind of comes with you. And there's so many people that I've now just left behind and they're great people, but it's just the separating of, of lives. Um, and that's kind of just the, but in that moment, it's like, okay, I still care about all these people. And I don't want them to think all of, you know, there are so many things happening at that point in time. That's where the need to kind of explain things came from. Yeah. I still feel that sometimes sometimes but then other times I'm just like even if we had had an affair like sometimes that shit happens and mm -hmm. it's not the end of the world nor is it always a wrong thing it's not ideal it's not something you know we strive for but sometimes affairs release people from really bad situations and so I, I have enough flexibility around that anyways that even if ha that had happened it's not like I would be like doused in shame and, mm -hmm. and but I also think what you're getting at too are like these heteronormative standards of what dating looked like and what courting looked like and what like you know if you want to go historically back to what relationships and how those kind of transformed even to like arranged relationships and marriages and things like that and like you're expected to kind of like dip your toe in and things like this and then when things get really intense it's all based around sex and it's like eventually you open up and you get to know each other really well just because we went around that in like the reverse way that doesn't mean that it's wrong or invalid you know no yeah probably stronger. I think that foundation has really helped and benefited us mm -hmm. as a couple. Yeah. Sure. With your career, Jamie, and like just the lifestyle of being in the military, do you find that relationships 
seemingly quote unquote move fast? Absolutely. You're kind of funneled into this path of getting married and having kids because of this, the, the, the structure and all the, a lot of the allowances and benefits and things like that. But I think I made it a point and even in, in my people in my life, like I've dated a lot. I dated a lot before I met Cam, um, but there were certain things I knew I wanted to reserve for my marriage. So when we started dating, there were a lot of things that I did differently that people were like, whoa, like this is this is different. You haven't done this before. You haven't said this before. But I still kind of felt that pressure to have to explain to people like, no, this is it. Like, I know this is it. It's kind of hard to explain to people the when you know, you know kind of thing. Yeah. And it's also hard to separate yourself from um, the typical like path of, of how the military is set up. Like, you don't want to leave wherever you are to go to the next place without that person. Mm. So a lot of people just opt to get married. And you it's know, it's always the smartest decision to make, but a lot, a lot of people do it. Mm. You could wrap, like, if we're going to talk behavior analysis, you can wrap condition moting, motivating operations into that. And mm -hmm. I think it's like, is it the surrogate or the, what's the one that signals like the, like something's going to, um, the removal of something like reinforcements about ready to, to leave. And it's like, let's say like your, your orders come down where you're going to get, um, uh, transferred or something like that. Yeah, and yeah. it's like those orders come down and now that this is the signal that then like increases the value yeah. of like locking this shit down exactly. and like engaging in all these behaviors. So then, you know, and it's not mm -hmm. like you're saying, it's not always the best, just like, you know, this, the, the Amazon sales and all that shit isn't always <laughs> the best to do with my money, yeah. but damn it. If it doesn't, if it isn't powerful, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. one of the things we oftentimes talk about too, is just how each of our careers affect or impact our relationship and i feel like i keep on like shouting them out they keep on being too shy to come on the show so i am going to shout out gabrielle and amber again <laughs> i'm really really thankful though because i don't and still i don't but i definitely did not back then um back then it's like COVID year i just met them in like january <laughs> um, like this year has lasted in, in COVID year. It was like, like in COVID, COVID years. Yeah, for real though. Um, I don't really carry this like military spouse identity very closely, um, but I'm so thankful for them too in particular because obviously they're behavior analysts. They're also married to people who are um, in the military. And it is, it's a completely, I mean, her career, no matter how, um, how much I try to be resistant of it without a doubt, like impacts and affects like our relationship and without a doubt impacts and affects like my career. Yeah. And I, though, one of the things I always have to give you credit on Jamie is you always include me in on that. Mm -hmm. So like before we moved here, it was very much like, okay, well, Camille, out of all these places, where do you want to go out of all these places? You know, where can we, um, like work on our finances where like you'll be able to go home to see your family to set any other versus like my career may actually be better like in this location absent of like my career or absent of like whatever I would kind of want yeah do you feel like my career as a behavior analyst impacts our relationship or your career at all no no you're really lucky <laughs> yeah yeah and I know like that has to be and we've kind of discussed this before that yeah. it has to be sort of a, a burden for you, mm -hmm. especially and that was one of the one of the reasons I made sure that I that I wanted you to pick it is because I know that you're used to, you know, you grew up around your family, mm -hmm. all your aunts and uncles and cousins, you grew up around them. So it's 
And it was really your first time moving away from everything you know and everyone you know. Yeah, without anyone. Whereas my parents were in the military, one, and then, you know, I'm in the military. So I was very, very used to that. So I knew the effect that that would have on her, like emotionally, you know, spiritually, mentally. So I wanted to make sure that you could, that you would pick a place that you would be comfortable with. Somewhere where you could kind of thrive. And I ignorantly picked Hawaii. No, I'm just kidding. Listen, listen. No, yeah, she picked Hawaii, and and oh my God. And Literally. as I mentioned, both my parents are military. I was I'm in the military, and I'm used to moving around. But moving to Hawaii was was honestly the toughest move I've ever made in my life. So I have to give you credit for just your resilience, moving with me and and building this life we have here. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it was a lot of breakdowns. And they probably still will happen, especially with COVID. <laughs> what about y'all, though, especially as two behavior analysts, two PhD students, you all are also parents. And then again, just life. That's a lot. Yeah. How does that kind of impact your relationship, if at all? I've been talking like you talk. <laughs> um, I mean, I think it benefits us, honestly, because our foundation really is from our shared interest as behavior analysts. Um, a lot of our early connection was in that realm and in a relationship context, you know, um, we see life and behavior and interactions with others through the same lens. And so rather than getting, you know, sometimes if our feelings are hurt or something like that, you know, it, it could be very easy to blame the other person. But when you're looking at the environment and you're looking at our histories, our individual learning histories and all that, it leaves so much space for understanding and compassion for the other, you know? And I think that's really where, I think that's the, the biggest benefit. Yeah, and I, and I think like career specific, it's like, um, you know, both have the exact same job, but it's within behavior analysis. So it's like, it doesn't really impact you. If anything, it's like, okay, we spend a lot of time together. We, you know, can only talk about this. Like there's no interest or shit. But I also think that that's sometimes a benefit, you know, is like when you talk about your job and you have successes in your job or you struggle with your job, like I can empathize with that. I know what mm -hmm. that's like. Um, and you don't bore me. Like we don't have conversations that I find to be boring and I have, I have limited interest. Like really, <laughs> like a deep interest, but not a lot of interest. And so the fact that you have one of my interests my saves God. me. <laughs> we wouldn't have been here had I not though. Like that's, right. okay. that's, that's a big part yeah. of that. How much ABA do you guys bring home? Oh man. Well, we never bring home is like a, a we work from home, so it's always. <laughs> so literally, like I moved down here. I think today was the day I actually flew back down. I had to go back home after I moved all my stuff, but I mm -hmm. think I flew back down a year ago today. And so, you know, not living together, but then COVID happens within a couple months, and it's like, well, if we're not comfortable living together, we certainly will be like after this. But it hasn't, like, if anything, it's like, I don't think that would have mattered. But, um, you know, so, but bringing ABA home, I think that kind of goes back to like what Kristen was saying is that we, like, literally, that is how we view the world. We see it through um, analyzing the environment we see. So it's, it, I don't even know if we would consider it like bringing it home because it's just so, so much a part of how we see the world and how we conceptualize everything that's going on around us. Like to the point that I worry sometimes, like I'm using too much terminology in a very personal like context, like this is 
Like, we it's literally not good we're to be having objective and <laughs> no, if we're having like a struggle, it's like the the but my responding conditioning. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I always you know? tell people, I'm like, I really think ABA, we hit like a really rough patch when we got here, which is a really hard transition. And I always tell people like I really do think ABA like saved our relationship. I literally like analyzed, I think in in a the most like objective way, like the part of kind of conflict that like I was bringing in the part that she was bringing in I, so then I like presented this to my therapist I'm like I know exactly what the problem is I even know the why I just don't know like how to navigate that and like but but having I think that foundational knowledge in a way that at least to me it almost like just naturally makes sense I'm like wow like I bring a lot of ABA home, but I think it works. You know, the more we talk about this, the more credit she takes for this. Oh, stop but this is me, guys. <laughs> <laughs> what the therapy part? No, the ABA in our relationship. I don't really. I well, think when we first got, I think you Camille. made that up. Do you really think that's true? Cam, I think you made that up. I absolutely did not. What ABA did you bring into our relationship? <laughs> I really want to know. Our problem solving. You, that is true. Okay. You're very like, All right, you're now. good with like getting. <laughs> I, also, I also do think, and Cam, uh, uh, Jamie, this is to like your benefit in this debacle here is that <laughs> I, think a lot of, I think a lot of relationships where one person's a behavior analyst and the other isn't, um, the behavior analysis or the behavior piece is so rejected in that. Um, that it's not allowed to be a part of that. And so when you're open to be, to, to allow that to be part of the conversation, um, I think it does, it, it can objectify things that then discount people's feelings. Mm -hmm. And as long as you don't allow that to happen and you can bring that in and like, I, in the notes here, I wrote down, I was like, we, whenever we struggle with something that there is an environmental analysis that happens rather than falling victim to the fundamental attribution error, which essentially says, um, you inherently as a person are the reason that you're acting this way mm -hmm. rather than you've got this whole learning history and we are in this context and that is the reason that you're that you're responding in this way and that I'm responding to you in this way and it allows to kind of like take all the bullshit and all the hurt and all the defensiveness not that mm -hmm. that isn't there not that we don't have to work through that yeah. um, but you can get to that point you know that your ultimate goal is to get to that point yeah yeah, yeah she's very solution based and she's also very logical I'm very emotional with like a a hint or so of logic and so like the cool thing about behavior analysis is that it's very logical and in, in, to some degree you know what I mean but I also have a counseling background she has a sociology background and so like we just are kind of in this perfect little bubble of yeah. like yeah. <laughs> mentalism and <laughs> complimentary yeah yeah very yeah. So. yeah I think it's when couples want to set up like a behavior plan for themselves yes you know, and they want to get really rigid with that and that's where it's like yeah. screw this like I feel this way you yeah. know and yeah. so I'm yeah. like the the human studies that you all have um you know it really benefit that absolutely yeah. so what are some messages I think this is her favorite <laughs> question I don't know if you want to start or if no, you all want to start ahead. what are some messages that you were taught about love <laughs> Talk, speaking of learning history. <laughs> Dude, we talked, we pulled these up before bed last night. This one was ready to go to sleep at 8.30 last night. And she's like, oh, if I, I was going to sleep now, I'm going to wake up in a couple hours. She's like, do you want to look at the questions for tomorrow? And I'm like, sure. <laughs> so we're laying there and this one comes up and like, I didn't know what to say. Yeah. You did. 
you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, for me, both of my parents, well, I was raised by my dad. So my parents were divorced when I was very young. I don't remember ever living together with them um, due to an abusive marriage. And so my dad at that time in the eighties ended up getting custody. My mom went off um, and really struggled and both have dealt with significant like mental illness and addictions. And so messages about love cannot possibly be separated from that, you know? Both of them have been divorced many times, four times. Um, their relationships, I mean, I didn't see a lot of my mom's relationships at all. I, I understand my mom because I've got some traits like her. Um, but definitely for my dad, you know, is steeped in gender norms around masculinity and femininity and women, although we were raised to be very strong, you know, um, I didn't witness any of that. I, you know, there were specific types of women that were in my life and they generally were in great need. And so I, I don't know, I didn't just dysfunctional, I guess, is really the only way to describe it. You brought up the word dysfunctional last night. And I was like, I also feel like mine is dysfunctional, but my my model of love could not be more different than yours right because my parents were married they're still married you know but again still the heteronormative standards but it was very like i had a very stable childhood but it was devoid of passion like there was none whatsoever um so like like when i thought about love i'm like okay love is marriage like i always equated those two things and love is commitment through marriage and therefore it's like sticking together no matter what and compromise and all of these things. And none of that, when I think about those things now, signal love. And I also remember watching, like I said today, Disney movies. I was like, you have like this fairy tale version of what love is supposed to be like. And it's like, that's what you're supposed to strive for and find your Prince Charming. And then you look over here and I'm like, but that's not Prince Charming. And I don't want that at all. You know, this is what love is and this is what marriage is. And this is what I'm supposed to strive for in this world. But I don't want that. Especially too with Disney, like, first of all, the princess always has some kind of trauma, be it like somebody dies, they just are neglected or like abused yeah. or like, it's just, what about you, babe? What are some messages around love? You go first. Um, I think for me, um, love, so I don't know, I, I think I kind of saw and also was like conditioned very like simultaneously, but like in two different ways. So I did see passion and happiness and fun. My parents, even now in their divorce, like they just have a lot of fun together. But I also saw um, this like sacrifice and this, this kind of way of like putting the needs of other people first at your mm -hmm. own detriment without even maybe even being able to like tact it as detrimental until like well after the fact so I think for me um I don't know and then I also I think I kind of grew up very fearful of love my parents um they have this deep love for each other but you know just for a magnitude of reasons it just didn't work they ended up actually separating when I had cancer which was um I don't know a whole nother layer of trauma yeah and so like but it's really interesting to kind of see them now and to see like actually how they are now I think is probably the best representation of love in that like I mean it they are just like the best of friends and like this most like beautiful way 
and they just kind of have this understanding of each other without at this point and I think probably it's because they're not married trying to like change each other and it was very it's just like eh, Gilbert's just Gilbert or eh, Fonda's just Fonda and because and, and I think when they were partnered there had to be like a lot of change or or they tried to at least like prompt a lot of change within each other that for things that were just like fundamentally them you know and so I don't know I think I kind of grew up wanting to be loved like so badly um and wanting to give love so badly but also being like but I like me as I am to some degree and I don't want to have to not that I don't want to have to change but I don't want to have I don't believe in changing like for someone like I want to come to like this self-actualization like on my own and if she just so happened to benefit from it great but like I don't want to like I don't know do that for you yeah you know yeah and I'm just and thankful you I don't want that. me to do that like love that what about you with your parents or uh, your family? or My parents, I think their love was sort of practical love. Mm. So they, you know, they both worked, they both, you know, provided, they both, you know, cooked and things like that. They both, but there, there was really no, I think, romance in a sense. And in a way it became a thing where they were just together for the kids and they ended up splitting up after 20, 20 or so years. But it, and it was also in a way dysfunctional because it's these two bullheaded people who who were so ego driven that they didn't want to, I don't know if it was like sacrifice, or they didn't want to concede or, you know, if it meant like, I don't know what it meant to them yeah. to just say, you know what, let's, I'll apologize first, you know? And so I kind of adopted, not, I didn't adopt that necessarily, but I think I took, I took on some of those messages yeah. and especially with my, I talk about this all the time, is that my mom was not very um, submissive. And I don't mean in like a traditional sense, she's just very assertive, very, not, not aggressive, but she definitely stands her ground. And she wore, the, I always say my mom wore the overalls in her marriage. And I took that to mean that she was strong and you know, she didn't take shit. And like that, I wanted to be like that. So I kind of took that with me and you know, <laughs> Thank God for therapy. major, major <laughs> fail, right? Major fail. So I think, yeah, that, that, those were the, the messages that I, that I got. I think too, like as black women, I think this whole struggle of concept, which I think Aaron, you definitely touched on in that, like, sure. Everyone's like, I want to be like my grandparents. Yeah. But like, are they but actually how much bullshit happy? Did your grandmother that, have to deal with? Right. Your grandmother. <laughs> and, and it's like, no, actually, like, I don't, <laughs> I don't want that yeah. at all. It's very, I don't know. I think messaging around like love and intimacy and monogamy. And at, I think even now, especially with our generation and this point, um, any kind of like polygamy, like all of these messages, they can just be so dangerous. Like if we're not careful, like you all were saying to really actually analyze the environment in which these are actually being maintained. Um, and it's hard, I think, to kind of get, I don't know, I think sometimes like when we talk to other couples about it, it's hard for us to properly like help people to understand like all this shit is well and fine if it actually works for whoever it is that's maybe giving you this advice. But like stop getting married or engaged or coupled or divorced or whatever based off fucking like Instagram memes. Like you don't know what it really is to like yeah. be just to be, you know what I mean? Like within that kind of 
um, dynamic. And it's just, I mean, literally like my parents were like picture perfect. Like, I mean, all of like, we were very, you know, like upper middle class. Like we just looked like we had all these things. My dad was, you know, a preacher and a pastor at one point. My mom is like the epitome in my mind of like beauty and like, I don't want to make it seem like behind closed doors it was just like horrible but they just they weren't happy and it worked you know for to some degree you think but that like, was those you think that was uh attributed to their fundamental differences well and, yeah but also i think more so honestly like environment like my mom and her sisters they grew up without parents um at a very very early age and so what she knew was to get with a man that could provide. And I think my dad, he has, you know, some demons of his own um, that definitely stem directly from my grandmother, directly from the way that he was raised as a black boy in 1955 and combining those things without therapy or without, I think even like a method of just being honest, like how we're able to just talk honestly on this show, that can be very, and the question I have for you guys is how did how do you take those two experiences right and make them meet in the middle yeah. with you two? Yeah. Huh. That's a good question. I think we're still learning, really, because there's a lot to unlearn, right? Yeah, I mean, for me in, in previous relationships, I was in two other real relationships prior to Aaron, and one of them lasted a very long time. I was with my youngest son's father and, you know, we were together for eight years and then we were apart for two years and we tried to get back together. It was absolute nightmare idea. Um, and then it was over and, and it's just been awful ever since. But um, anyways, there was this, I think there's such a fear of abandonment, not to get too far into like childhood trauma and things like that, but there was a lot of abandonment that occurred as a result of the behavior of my father um and so there was always this distance as 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 loving and affectionate and warm as i am to most people that didn't show up in a romantic relationship like i had a solid distance i was like i had i held on to my independence my autonomy is always and still is the most important um value to me and for with Aaron it's been this process of learning how to give myself fully and like like truly be vulnerable truly be trusting um be willing to like be seen you know and trust that that's not going to result in being you know abandoned or whatnot yeah I think that's part of it though there's like you you ask where those things meet in the middle and it's so like what has society taught us about what love is mm -hmm. and like you can even like you said you google the definition it's a feeling mm -hmm. and for me we talk about this all the time it's not necessarily a feeling it's a it's a it's something you do every day it's an intention you have it's um there's actions behind that it's not just something that you i look at you and i'm like oh, i feel love like yes that's the responding conditioning that shows up like when we have all of these things that are happening because of these actions because of this environment mm -hmm. Um, and so that feeling is also cannot be separated from all of the behaviors that happen within those feelings. It's cultivated. Right. It doesn't just happen. But I think where that meets in the middle is like, what has society taught me about what is love supposed to look like? How does that show up with my own history? Um, where it's like a nasty, complex, uh, I don't know, like 
you know when your headphones get like and you can't like untangle it and it's like this is some bullshit like i can't and then you just throw it away and it's like i just don't want any of it like i'm gonna go get a new pair because all this is, is crap so it's like, for me it's like they're just busted like that doesn't serve me anymore you know and it's like i'm just gonna go get these nice you know those noise canceling headphones over here and but it's it's i think it's just stripping away all of those uh, expectations and those roles. Um, and for me, it's learning what society has taught me about what that's supposed to look like mm -hmm. and that I, and, and the freedom that I don't have to have that. So even if I was, um, like my marriage was, um, like, yeah, a same sex marriage, right. Mm -hmm. It even started to embody and embrace some of those heteronormative roles and standards and things like that where i was like the provider and, and i hated it like i couldn't stand it and it was like no i'm supposed to be like queer and like you know yeah. aggressive and all this stuff and it's just like no that that shit still shows up it is so heavily ingrained yeah. and to strip mm -hmm. all of that away um but to understand like what are the messages that i'm sent where does my shit show up what is mine that i have to deal with what has the world taught me how does that collide together and then same. you doing the same thing with yourself but us what we struggle with is not getting twisted up in each other's stuff yeah. you know what is your stuff that you need to handle and i will be here to love and support you and yeah. what do i need to do you know yeah. yeah sometimes our reactions are like counter to what the other person needs so if we're both struggling with something it's like I, I instinctively pull away. Like that's, that's what I have to fight against. Like when, when I saw your toxic question, I was like, oh yeah, I know what mine is. Mine is like <laughs> yeah. pulling away and separating and like all of this fear-based responding. And that for you is like a major trigger for like, don't, no, don't do that. You know, like come back. Um, and so we, sometimes we get tangled up in that way and it's been, a, it's, it's been, been learning to trust, yes. you know, that we can struggle and come back from that and be stronger for it because of the learning that happens right. in the process. And understanding that relationships don't take this, there's not this predetermined path that relationships will take based on the marriage that I've seen. Mm -hmm. And and so like, yes, it starts to be this great thing. And then you're just told that it kind of transforms into this, in this thing where it's like your initial falling in love then goes away. And so then it turns into like um, stability or whatever you want to define it as. And for me, that's like devoid of passion. I don't want that to go away. Like, no. I love that. Like we fight, we fight that happening. Right. And yeah. it's just like, I think when I see those things, it's signals. And But I know that they're signals. And even though I might not be in the space to say, hey, this is like, you're like, I don't know, your brainstem like warning going off, like survival mode telling you. Yeah. Um, that's where you understand my stuff because I've been so open to teach you and to tell you about those things that you mm -hmm. can sometimes, if you're not so wrapped up in your own stuff and be like, Hey, this is a story you're telling yourself. Like this is based on your history. And mm -hmm. eventually like I will come down out of the rafters and know that you're still okay. You know, I've learned <laughs> like, there's some keywords, you know, that will help when Aaron is struggling, you know, there are. Yeah. <laughs> 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 you know like telling you like we like assuring you like we are good like we're okay oh you know that okay even in the midst of like i thought you had like like everything is a list right. of words it's like I thought you just <laughs> no but way. i'm like you know taking notes i'm trying to figure it out this is where the learning comes in like figuring out like what do does the other need to, yeah. to feel secure and safe yeah so that you can productively get through something Feel like we have so much in common because that's For sure. that's definitely like it's actually that. kind of creepy because yeah. like that's kind of one of those things in that um 
I need, especially during conflict, like constant assurance that like, we're okay. This is normal. Like, we're not like, we're gonna go through like, you're, I'm gonna be mad at you, Camille, or like, you're gonna be mad at me, Camille, or what? And it could, it could be something. So like, last night, I didn't know she was like laying on this pillow. And I just like go on the side of the bed, like, and I get the pillow, because it's my pillow. And she's like, in this cute voice, she's like, why'd you take the pillow? Like, I'm so upset. And in my mind, I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, asleep. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You know what I mean? And like, that's just like a very silly, like example of like, but that's literally how it feels. And I'm like, are we okay? Like, are you sure we're okay? And I'm like, two minutes later, I'm back asleep and I, I don't and she's care. fine. <laughs> it was just the initial shock of my head, like, it did not hit it that hard. But even like tying it to behavior analysis, what's interesting is the last thing when she is having like her feelings or her experience that she needs is assurance. And so because that's what I need, I'm like projecting all that on her, which probably is like, I mean, like suffocating to you. And then mm. because she doesn't need that at all, when I'm going through my thing and we definitely, it's, it has taken practice. Like we've definitely gotten better, but like yeah. at first, like when I needed that in her mind, she's like, again, like logic where she's like, Camille, like we literally just signed a lease together. Like we just got engaged or we just like, you know, I'm not going anywhere. And I'm like, but I don't like not in this moment. And it's been a really cool to like, really kind of like you were saying, like cultivate every single day, either certain phrases or certain words or just certain safety measures I think for both of us it's really cool so when when we started dating and um we did not start like any other typical couple like we both went into it knowing that I was coming out of a really uh like abusive relationship and you were still working through some stuff on your own I don't know anyway we had um (laughs) it's cute. We had, we had relationship meetings that would last like two to three hours and we had agendas that we would talk about and we would go through, it is dorky, but it was like, if you want to talk about fantasy strategies and like, you know, and setting events for these things and and contacting reinforcement from saying hard things or, or being able to communicate with each other, like every couple should do this, you know? And Mm -hmm. it's just, um, there was a point in time where it was like we had to have a sense like is there anything hard that you want to say to me right now yeah, you know yeah, that, that yeah. we need to talk about um and then we would set like committed actions to like what steps are we going to take to work on these things and and oftentimes it's like we need a task analysis of of what to go through in order to like get through this struggle like that sometimes it's like what you go through it's like i need to say this i need to do this and it's not because you suck at it it's because you're learning what i need well, yeah we aren't taught these things either we're right. taught how to effectively communicate to our partners mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. no we're told we're taught to suck things up sweep yeah. it under the carpet and that really cute vacations and like post on instagram so everybody like likes you because again dopamine and all that stuff yeah. we actually we talked about that like last episode we have like phrases where if we're having what was it like a back like what is it what are our phrases we have like talks? yeah we'll have a lot of phrases like okay babe kitchen table talk and, and that like, and that means something. So we know, you know, we're about to have a hard conversation. Mm-hmm. So we kind of like prep ourselves for it. <laughs> and then, then I'm talking about respondent conditioning and extinction. It literally like used to make me like very or like anxious where I'm like, oh God, oh God, oh God, she's about to break up with me. She's about to, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> she's like, yeah, so actually I just had like a really bad day of work and like, I just need you to not interrupt me. And I'd be like, oh, that's, that's, you should have, you probably should have paired that when you say the kitchen table talk. Right. So, it's like kitchen table talk level one. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. I gotta start saying that. <laughs> she automatically jumps and like, she's gonna dump me. Like, no. <laughs> I know what that, I know what that feels like though, like 100% and it's like, it goes, for, and even just to, I think recognizing like self-awareness training, it's like, okay, I'm feeling this right here. Like you used to have, I used to have to do like, okay, oh my God, my like, forearms are tingling that is like a, a, like when i'm feeling pure anxiety panic attack mode which are then oftentimes associated with these thoughts yeah. and if i can just tell you I, my forearms are tingling um then that can like lead you to a whole ton of of the instead of like going and not talking to you or shutting down and yeah. um and that building resentment because i don't have a partner who it's not safe to go to to talk about yeah exactly yeah, yeah. Well, one of the things I think you all embody a lot is just kindness. And I think it really just humanity. And I know that's something that not only um, is like a part of you all's brand, but really just how you all are individually, but also collectively as a couple. So what does that kind of look like um, in your relationship? I think we've really worked to redefine what kindness means. For me, kindness was always like... Um, being nice and sweet and passive and yeah. you know all of those things and um I think there's like kindness can be saying something that is hard but with care and concern of how that's going to impact the other person yeah okay. it is fair and I think uh for me anyways what's made the biggest difference is that our friendship was established first and that was solid. And that was the foundation of that friendship was care and concern in the most genuine way. And the idea of hurting Aaron is just like the worst idea to me. Like I, I absolutely do not want to do that. Sometimes I'll get an attitude, you know, like if we're like having like a moment or whatever and Aaron is, you know, will call me on it. Like, I don't like it when you talk to me like that immediately like I won't mm -hmm. do it again you know like it's like whoop, okay I'll stop um because I don't want to hurt you yeah and it's one of those things where it's not like I need you to 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 change for me because I don't like this it's like when you do this I like I have flashbacks right and that mm -hmm. means a whole ton of things to me there are other things that you do that I don't like police and tell you how to act and I need you to talk to me when we have an argument in this exact way mm -hmm. we don't even have arguments that's a you know not a fair um right you know it you know I mean somewhat sometimes it just depends okay we don't fight so that's one thing I that's, have, that's very different I have you know, a hypothesis we I feel like that too and I'm so I feel like this is the second time and I know like I just interrupted y'all but this is like the second confirmation I've had today in that like I have this thing and I really think it's because of just how it's socialized around Christianity and all that stuff where like if I talk about us to like I talk about how good we are or how whatever we are mm. that like inevitably it's gonna like jinx it so anyways hearing you say like we don't have arguments and I'm like actually like we don't either but I you you can ask her like I very you will probably never hear me say that out loud and the fact that I'm saying this on recording is but I'm just like because in my mind I'm like well number one like people are gonna think like I'm just on this high horse and I'll hear something that or I'm like well what if like God curses it we're you know all that bullshit but it's like actually really really so I just thank you for affirming the fact that like 
I can say that and I can, I can, cause it's like, we really don't, I mean, we, we have like disagreements. It's not like everything's even that where I'm, I was just about to do it again, where I'm like, it's not like everything's butterflies and rainbows, but to some degree it is, but that's because of how intentional we are. Mm-hmm. Not because it's like some Disney fairy tale thing. But anyway, so thank you for affirming that. Well, it's, it's different if you're sweeping things under the rug and you're yeah. saying that everything is butterflies and rainbows. And it's different if you are taking things head on and you've put in the work and you've worked through your shit individually and together. And then you say everything is butterflies and rainbows because you have t- put in all the work to have a really good relationship where you know each other so well that you can show up for each other like that. Yeah, yeah. and I think too, it's important to stay flexible around that too, because rules can be really problematic. And I I have a hypothesis that Aaron denies. And so I say this with respect to the fact that it's probably not true, but there's a certain fear around words like anger or arguments or conflict because we have conflict we have struggles we have things that we work through i have issue with focusing on saying like i'm angry at something because when i'm angry like my instinct is to go to why am i angry and i can easily go to um, I was embarrassed. I was disappointed. I was confused. I was uncertain. Just, I was all of these things, which for me are like, that's taking a lot of work to, that's higher level you know, emotional and awareness. so, no, I'm not angry, but I am all of these other things that <laughs> I'm like, well, your tone sounds a little angry. <laughs> because like all of those things can fit under like, okay, like, like if feelings were a response class, you could put all those things that come out looking like anger. Mm-hmm. Right. But I'm, feeling I'm almost the opposite. Things. Like I'm, especially, I think we struggle around embarrassment a lot for me so it would come off as me being like defensive or come off as me being angry and I'd be like stuck on that like no damn it like I am upset and it's like actually no like I'm embarrassed or I'm whatever like all these other things that I don't know if I've ever actually been like reinforced for either expressing or feeling so that's kind of that's interesting too anger is a lot easier to identify saying that you're embarrassed is so vulnerable yes and I I know you're there's a certain degree of that you are right in that um the way that i saw conflict worked out was anger and yelling and dehumanizing conversations and things and then apologies and everything would go back and i refuse to do that like that is a hard line for me like i care about you too much to to do that and um and so i think that there's like this in my mind there's that relation between if I'm angry, then this is what that looks like. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's just easier. I don't want that. So I'm going to identify all these other things because it's more painful to say that I'm angry yeah. because it means that I'm hurting you. Right. I'm still learning how to identify the actual like primary feelings because the mm-hmm. secondary feelings are just a lot easier to contact. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. If I interrupted you too, what were you going to say about kindness and humanity and all that stuff? Did that make you lose your train of thought? Um, no, so I was just going to say, I think for us in particular, I try to operate with like empathy and like outward thinking. So I think I said this in the last episode that a lot of us, most of us, whether we want to admit it or not, operate from a place of like ego, right? So it makes it easy to project, makes it easy to be defensive, makes it easy to like minimize someone else's feelings based on how we would react to it or how we feel about it or how we interpret the situation. And I think just trying to assess like your needs, trying to assess like your feelings and why you feel the way you feel despite what I feel or what I think of it. I think that has kind of helped. I hope it is actually. Oh I yeah, definitely. In our relationship. 
yeah. We always call it now like the art of putting sugar on shit because that was like a real life argument where like she would literally be like, I don't know, like Camille, like the sky is blue, but for some reason, like her saying that would like hurt my feelings. And she just didn't understand that if she literally just put like sugar on top of it, I would receive the exact same message, the exact, like the way that she actually would want it. And she's like, well, I don't, I don't understand. Like, why do like, so you're telling me I need, I need to put sugar yeah, on shit. And exactly. I'm like, actually, yes. Yeah. Like that is what I'm telling you. And I, I can assure you it will work. Like efficacy has to be like a goal. You know what I mean? And, and that's one of the things that one of somebody, one of my friends who was listening to this, they were saying that like them, them and their spouse, they actually had gotten into that kind of argument. And I was like, you know, I think what we don't understand, which I think, I don't know. I, I don't think we understand for real just how individualized our love has to look for anybody that we come in contact with, be it like our parents, our friends, like our partners, whoever. And like, I have to learn, and it's a constant thing, how to love Jamie the way that she wants to be loved versus the way that I want to be loved because they just look very, very different. Yeah. So I think you kind of mastered putting sugar on shit a little bit. <laughs> I feel like we should write a book okay. about it. See, when I saw that in the notes, I was thinking that y'all were going to talk about like not doing that. So it actually <laughs> no. good hearing you say that you do intentionally do that. Yeah, yeah. And I love what you're saying too about like loving somebody is individualized. And sometimes in our culture, I think we're sold a different story that we are we should be individuals and the other person should come to accept us the way that we are and um i i absolutely agree that you have to really know the other person and genuinely care about the other person in order to love them in the way that they need and that's that's true for like my kids and every anyone that's close there's a difference between something you need and something you want and so if you're not saying something in a manner that I can hear you and that manner is talking to me like a human being, you know, like, I'm not saying I need you to make excuses for me. I'm saying I need you to say it in a way that I can hear you because I'm really struggling with this right now. You know, if I'm asking you to tailor everything that you say every single second of the day, then that's something I want, not necessarily something I need. Right. You know, right. Even that, like how different that looks. So she's a direct communicator i put a whole lot of sugar on shit and that does not work for her so i'm also like learning to just give her the shit <laughs> like this pile of shit and like it's so hard right i don't like I that really struggle with doing that but like I don't, i'm not direct at all and i'm like tell me what you want like tell me what i just one hundred percent maybe not Maybe not in the context of a conflict, but if there's a time where you're like, I really need to work right now, just leave me alone. Like, yeah, tell I me. Can't say I'm that. Good. I would never. I good. <laughs> no. <laughs> need that. No. But then I'm like, should I? Is it okay? No. No. <laughs> I'm like, what should I do? Like, you want me to do this? I'll send. No, a, I'll like, send like five signals, but I won't like say yeah, that. Because I feel like I'm gonna want to hurt her feelings, this that, and the other, and then it'll come out in passive aggression. Like, it's just. And it's like, no, like I have to also like learn and that's work. Like that is hard. So work. now what she does is she'll say it and then she'll say, you know, that was really hard for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like that. I'll be like, good job. Yeah. Okay, I'll <laughs> I like that. That acknowledgement is so important though, isn't it? it is. Yeah. I, I really think that that's something that we do is like, I recognize that that was really hard for you. Like I, I see it. like there's, 
that recognition is not it it's recognition of intention it's recognition of like a commitment like that's the like when i see commitment between us it looks so drastically different than commitment that i saw um it was like cringy commitment is what i grew up seeing like where i'm just yeah. gonna like grin and bear it to get through and that's my yeah. commitment like this You're is like, this wow this looks like a job i don't <laughs> want to do that <laughs> like for right people, like i don't want to know well, i feel like that kind of brings like one of the things I think I'm realizing is a lot of the shit I have to learn and unlearn to not only love you properly, but most importantly to love myself properly has all been tied in like white supremacy and anti-blackness and gender roles and heteronormity yeah, and the patriarchy. Do you, how do you kind of feel or how do you kind of conceptualize like some of those things that you have to learn Just and the same thing. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. That's, I think, um, I've talked about this before is that I, I was kind of raised on the, you're going to be a strong, independent black woman mantra and it turns out that that can be toxic in some relationships yeah. so those are things that i had to unlearn and it's like what does that even look like yeah like what does that mean objectively and define yeah. that because that's confusing especially when you're also telling me you need to get a man yeah <laughs> you need to be submissive you need like, to be a good wife so you need to cook and clean and you're like which one do you want me to be because i'm confused yeah <laughs> Megan Thee Stallion put out a video on the New York Times that really just highlighted a lot of that, just the mixed messages. It's like, do this and do this, but they like are like conflicting yeah. what you're supposed to do, you know? It's like, if you don't do this, then you're this. And if you do do this, then you're this. But yep. like, what, what do you do, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think too, like I have to, I've been unlearning a lot of some of the toxic, like religious patterns mm -hmm. that I've, learned and i think as a black person saying that <laughs> lord i'm i'm can guarantee i can think of like five of my friends will probably text me after hearing mm -hmm. that but really and i think one of the most liberating parts about that is saying my dad who was a pastor also unlearning some of those things too because there's room for it and like the reality is we're all conditioned and kind of socialized i think to be these versions of ourselves and like having the freedom within this relationship and giving myself the freedom just within myself to actually be like, why do like, I don't, I don't want to believe this thought anymore. Or why do I believe this thought or, you know, whatever the case may be. Like, it's just been so like scary, but empowering mm -hmm. at the same time too. I don't know. What about you? Well, I know. You guys well, I wonder if that's one thing that actually benefits us as neither of us are religious. We both identify as being atheists. And so there's none of that. Like, I think that that stuff for me, especially like I knew I was raised in the church more than you were. Um, and so I think and then I had those kind of values and beliefs also laid out in my parents relationship. So I think some of the things that I'm still trying to unlearn. Um, they got know, the, Yeah, they were unlearned for me, like in the in the moment, you know, yeah. like, <laughs> things but, didn't line up between church and home at all but i think there's like that on my part it's like pure rejection of all that so it's easy i don't have to like unlearn certain messages yeah. and still like what like understand that balance of like where do i keep certain things or where you know there's there's i, I would imagine that that's like there's a lot of conflict around around that not conflict between you two but like internal personal oh, conflict. yeah yeah, yeah. i think too one of the things and aaron as you know like one of the reasons um that I just kind of go so hard on my platform, even just about like all of these identities and how they all kind of show up. It can be very, very, I don't, I don't think confusing is the word. It can be very heavy. I think having multiple, excuse me, marginalized identities, 
especially when you're with somebody who also has multiple marginalized identities, because we also have to work through them at our own pace, you know, and we also present them to the world in like this interesting way. We're also expected to prioritize these identities. Yes. Yeah. And it's very, so like, we always talk all the time, like I'm very outgoing in my expression of fashion anything so like I'll be the one I'm wearing like a fucking pussy shirt or something like that (laughs) and like she's like super cringe and for her she's like but like me actually just showing up is a sign of resistance or really I don't even care if it's a sign of resistance like I'm just showing up and like that means something to me and for me and this is a whole different episode I hope I can talk about this on the future disclosure episode about like just being a feminine presenting lesbian and then just being a black woman as well, I feel like I have to show up like super loud so people like understand like this is me. And like, I don't know, it's actually kind of cool to be able to like take some of that off at home, you know, and just like be like the one that burps all the time and farts all the time. <laughs> I do do those in public spaces too. Like I'm yeah. very much myself. Like it's it's just a little too exhausting for me not to do that. But like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It's just all this like learning and I'm learning while still going through life, it's interesting. And it- Do you find that it's easier um, in your partnership because the two of you understand what that experience is like, even if you're on two different planes, you know, as far as your journeys go, with some of those messages? Good question. I think so, 100%. Yeah. But I also have like experience not, like, I think, I think especially being with someone who does have and who presents to the world in the same way as me it's so comforting to not have to teach or explain that when I come home and that's something that I think I'd be willing to do like if that person was like open but like it's hard like because it's just so exhausting anyways I think especially right now in our field and actually in yours too, where like everybody's trying to just be all like diversity and inclusion. And it's like, <laughs> I don't want to have to, uh, as bad as it may sound, like I don't want to have to do that at home. And yeah. I don't know. Same. Do you feel like, like with your career too, like, do you ever feel like, is it heavy? Like, especially with? Absolutely. Especially in these times. Yeah. Yeah. We got to talk about that one day. <laughs> yeah. I know you get shy. Mm-hmm. Um, so we also, so we've been talking about communication, the art of putting sugar on shit, all that kind of stuff. Communication wise, it sounds like you all kind of have like similar but different communication styles. Um, what do you think, and this is not in the outline because I think what I put in the outline, we've already kind of talked about. How cool is that? Do you think that you all's kids have this experience of seeing like effective and healthy communication? Like, I think the four of us, like we've all talked about some of the things that we saw as kids and obviously nobody's perfect and you all have not like, you know, said anything about like this perfect parenting style, but like, I want y'all to be my parents. Like, how (laughs) cool is that? Like, do they ever kind of comment on your love, your communication, anything like that? Oh my God. Yeah, it's so cool. Mm-hmm. They'll be like chanting for us to kiss. <laughs> it's so not, it's so sweet. They love, love love, and I think my kids specifically they they didn't get that. You know, some of them were kind of young, but um, 
honestly just the little one the others were what for mm-hmm. um you know and so that they're old enough to know that they didn't see that and now they get that like literally thrown in their face <laughs> all the time yeah. Um, yeah. And, like i have a picture of um one of my kids sitting at, at our table over there and every time we would kiss i turn around and she's just like staring at us, like, so i took a picture i'll have to i'll text it to you afterwards if i have to dig through and find it but i took it and you can like see her like looking through like this little like superhero mask like just just love you know mm-hmm. and and i i think that that was like i made a really hard decision it was it felt easy in the moment it felt right but um at you can have two things that exist at the same time but also hard you know i moved away they're in west virginia i moved away from them i asked for a um for a custody agreement that did not see them every weekend i had that option um there were a multitude of reasons as to why i asked for that but also knew that i had the opportunity to give them long-term exposure like weeks at a time exposure to um something that that they need to see and and i know that i couldn't rely on anybody else to give that to them not that that wouldn't happen but that they had the opportunity to see what a healthy relationship looks like and how to work through disagreements without yelling and without hitting and without, you know, all of these things. And, and I think that that, um, I don't know that that uh, even your, your kid. Yeah. Lincoln's here full time. That's the 10 year old, the 18 year old just moved out. Um, so Lincoln is a big fan of Aaron. Like, bigger fan of Aaron than me sometimes, I think, and we're very close. Um, but he, he's, I don't know, he's a big ad- advocate and like little activist for, for um, affirmation and, and standing up for, you know, gender variance and whatnot. And um, he, he's always loved our love. He was very upset. He, he's on the spectrum and um, he was adamant that I was never going to date again. I, I didn't date for five years. So I was single. I've never been married. Um, but I was specifically single for five years prior to our relationship, which I loved. Um, and I love being with you too. Okay. Um, <laughs> that was one of the things where I was like, I don't think I could ever go back to being in a relationship because I don't think I could give that. But, and I've learned that, no, I actually can in the right circumstances, but, um, anyways he was very adamant that I would never date again and that he that was like off the table and it wasn't an option and so we were friends and he met Aaron first through that and then we evolved and Aaron was around but we didn't tell him (laughs) kind of like a secret and anyways he heard his kiss at one point and totally like blue you know he figured the whole thing out and he was so upset like he just had a full-on meltdown and but by the next day, it was like he was following us around, taking notes about our love. And well, <laughs> you also too set some in that conversation. I remember you set some pretty hard lines around. This is my body and my choice, and you don't get to dictate what That's I true. do with my body and who I get to love. Like we validated everything that he feels. I like. I know that this is scary. I know that this is a change. Like, and this is my life mm-hmm. and my body, and I, you know, am, am choosing that for myself. And you, yeah. don't, you don't get to make those choices, but. Right. Um, but I think in terms of like communication, this openness, like we're super open with things that we talk about. Um, you know, I I remember, God, I don't even think I'd moved down here yet, but he walked downstairs and he heard something on TV or he was watching the show friends and 
um, he heard the word condoms and he looked at me and he goes, what, what are condoms? I said, that's something you need to talk to your mom about. No one got <laughs> and it's just like, with me, I, I'm very direct. I'm very like, I don't try to like make him love me and mm. you don't try that with my kids. Um, but we have such an incredible model of like closeness and connection and love and just care and concern about the other person that it is infectious. I think like it really, like the kids can't not love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Lincoln will ask very intrusive questions too. The first thing he asked when he asked, are y'all, I'm, I'm going to ask you something. I want you to tell me the truth. I remember this conversation very, very clearly. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll tell you the truth. And he's like, I think I heard a sound and you know and Aaron are in a relationship or are in love and I said well yes we are and he was like what <laughs> well well are you doing it <laughs> nine-year-old and I was like well yes honey we are because you know we love each other <laughs> and you know he, there are times when he'll ask like so how's like is sex like a good thing like do you like having sex like how often do you and Aaron have sex he asked me all these questions and I'm honest to yeah. the point of, you know, to what I think a 10 year old should know about. Um, but I, I don't know. We try to be open and I love that. model something healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love that. That's actually one of the things um, I think, Aaron, you and I talked about, I consulted with you about, of like um, just being out, especially when it comes to kids, and that I think to some degree, like we're socialized to think that like what we're doing is somehow wrong. So like we have to then shield kids or even like take some kind of like pause when people ask like, do you have a husband or whatever? You know what I mean? Like, and it's it's really cool to see examples of like people just living out loud while I'm still unlearning that like, yeah. I can just be honest and my niece and my nephew and my God kids, like, and anybody like, Number one, I'm not doing anything wrong. Therefore, when when they see us together, they're gonna see love, and they're just gonna see another example of love. But that's hard. Like it's so. I just commend you all on on how just intentional and really just authentic. Like you all seem to just be naturally being. And I think, I mean, we all just talked about like demonstrations of love that we saw, and you all are. I don't know. It just seems like y'all are doing the work to ensure that your kids see something very different. So hats off. I think that that's part of it though, is like, you know, it's when you, when you struggle maybe in the moment, not that we've ever reached that point, but it's like, you know, there's something there, there are some other eyes that are watching you, you know, Uh, something, there's something that is important about that. You know, like even when my kids were down here for the summer, we, there was a point in time where we, we had a, a struggle, we had a conflict. And, and I remember you saying like, I don't want them to see us arguing. And it's not that we were arguing, we were having a serious conversation about something. And I said, like, I grew up in a family where all I saw was yelling and arguing and, and, and screaming and, um, and slamming fists on the table and stuff like that. And I was like, that's not what they're going to see. They're going to see a healthy way to resolve conflict. And if they don't ever see they're going to grow up thinking that that's what a happy relationship is, is, is devoid of, of any sort of like hard conversation. And I don't want them to see that because that is part of love. That is, is how you deal with that and how you show up in that moment is a part of those actions. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
I get that there are things that the content of that might not need to be quiet, or you can say like, we're just, we need a, we need a minute, we're, you know, we're working through something, we're having a, um, you know, we need to have some time to ourselves so we can work this out mm -hmm. in the same way that you work shit out with your siblings, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not but. <laughs> yeah, and I think yeah. that ties to that honesty too, like we were talking about earlier, where it's just, if we're gonna, if we're gonna do this, like we're gonna do it include like you're right and I think honesty has to be included in that so yeah. well I feel like we've taken up a ton of your time we did get one question in the inbox so I'll pose it to you all so someone inboxed us just asking us last week so last week we talked all about communication and I mean to various degrees which I loved but they said we didn't mention finances so can you all touch on how you approach the conversation around finances when you're coming together as a couple yeah. So this is another thing where we have recognized gender norms too and heteronormative standards and all of that. Mm. Um, so I, at least in thinking about that, like that's where, because I think the automatic assumption is, is to, to combine everything and to, to do that. First of all, we're never going to get married. I've like, I don't want to enter into, um, you know, a, an institution that doesn't want me for one thing, um, mm. that I would have to lie about my identity in order to enter into that institution. Um, and so I think a lot of those things like finances are driven around that idea of marriage or long-term relationships within that context. And it's like, there are certain benefits to those things, right? And so like some of that stuff does overlap, mm -hmm. but also knowing that your autonomy and mine too are like so important and i want to i want to get my paycheck and i don't want to have to give it to somebody else yeah. neither, neither one of us has been in a relationship that was truly like equitable mm. um, in any way emotionally practically like with just just practical life things um sharing responsibility in a way that doesn't put too much on one person uh, versus the other and financial as well like i was the primary and so were you and both of our previous only. relationships like really almost the only for me too and i there was a ton of resentment built into that yeah. um, and i love being with somebody that is financially stable and like capable of handling their own shit. and i don't have to be responsible for that level of immense stress yeah. um, so we keep a lot of our stuff separate and then we share um i don't know we've just kind of like divided it's funny that's one of those things where i feel the need to tell you it's like whenever i buy something i, I have to tell what i've bought like it's gonna that's be a problem the shows i'm like up. afraid she's gonna be like mad she's like i don't give a fuck dude like <laughs> right. i'm telling you this i hear 100 books a week <laughs> i don't care but that's but that's in my history that has been so severely punished to where like i had to like backdoor stuff or figure out ways to like to get you know and and so the fact that i'm just being like in casual conversation and there might be like a little bit of anxiety i've come so far um because i would have like covert hid that you know just to get something there's, that a, I there's a confession tone to your voice every time you tell me that you like you ordered something or you bought something I'm it's like, gotten so much better I don't ever tell you. I buy things I, all the time. There was a box that showed up. <laughs> I can tell you I ordered it because you're like, hey, what's this? There's progress this week. You missed it though. <laughs> but um, there are things that we don't um, share. I don't think I've ever paid rent and I like have, but I also pay like for most of the groceries, you know? Yeah. I also, and we did, we sat down and we were like, um, we need to talk about finances and have a conversation about this. Cause I was like adamant that I was gonna get like 50, 50 and all this. And we sat down and I was like, if I go 50, 50, I 
will be bankrupt. Like I won't have enough because I have a massive amount of child support yeah. to pay. And so, and I don't um, think that's fair. Like personally, yeah. that's, yeah. but I buy more groceries. I, there are things like that. I go, not lately, but I go and buy stuff for the house. You know, there are just things, you know, we just bought a camper. So that's literally the only thing that we like have both of our names on. There wasn't, I think sometimes when people like merge their lives together, it's like this, it's almost like a contractual agreement. And it's like, we have to have our names on everything together. And for some people that's fine, that works. But I know historically that that is a method of control that people have. And it's like, I can control you based on this. Do you see her face? (laughs) Yo, I really wish that like, I wish you guys were on the last episode with us. I also wish that we could meet each other like right now. Yeah. Because that was something. So I was socialized to believe, I think that like, if we combine things somehow, like we were like the real, like legit thing. And so one of the things, full transparency, when we moved here, we bought a house, but there was no, because of just like the, what was it? The VA loan or whatever it just would make no sense for my name to be on this place I literally I think I said this like two nights ago I was like yo like it legit fucks with me that like my name isn't on the house and she's like why and going back to what we were talking about earlier where I'm like it's rooted in this fear of like you can leave and I will like have nothing so like this fear of abandonment and all this other stuff which is so odd because even when my parents divorced like that just wasn't the case anyways I'm still working through it I guess but um I think for you like I think you've taught me the power of autonomy so she's just like we like we don't need to necessarily have like joint bank accounts or we don't need she's like if I mean if that's what you want like okay but you know what I mean like it's very much like why and I think you're really really big on like not being controlled or not being controlling and yeah yeah definitely both I think it was important for me to have to to be with someone who had the same kind of uh, not necessarily the same but had room for my vision for like my financial goals mm-hmm. and she absolutely does well so i just want to that, wanna, that like, made it i think that made it <laughs> i just probably won't as a behavior analyst i think i'm so resentful of that i'm gonna do it i'm yeah, just gonna i am just i just have to like make like an only fans or something but. yeah <laughs> the fact <laughs> that she like sees the vision yeah the fact that she's also as driven like made it makes it that much easier whenever we talk about finances yeah I feel like Jamie and you and Aaron should talk. Like y'all have, I mean, for sure. I mean, and me, Kristen. This is like, well, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cami, I just texted you a picture. So, like, when Kristen and I first got together, we we started to share like a photo album, um, so we could like from our trips, we could share pictures with each other because we would take so many. And this poem has become for me at least, and I think for you too, like kind of the basis of how I think about the foundation. And it's like the idea of two complete people coming together that are that are so okay on their own and what the possibility is that they can do together. And so while we are still both works in progress, we know that we're each still our own individual person. And I think even if we had a joint checking account, we could still be that. But for us right now that that signals something else and that signals this rule at least for me you know it would have to logistically make sense for us to do that like it's not like a hard rule like we can't share these things Mm -hmm. but it's like well if it makes sense in the moment for whatever reason not just because you all are together and that was a struggle like when you taught me that like when we were working through that that was a struggle and I I know we have to go but I want to get your opinion on this too because that's something I struggle with with religion is this idea that well the thing that what did they say even at the wedding they're like you know two people become one no 
we don't. We still have our own book of life. We still have our own journey. If Cam, God forbid, but if Cam passed away tomorrow, whatever life she's lived, that's what's going with her. I still have to carry on and live my life. So I don't necessarily believe in the, when we get married, we become one. Absolutely yeah. not. And I don't want to live that way. And that's one of the reasons, and we talked about this a little bit last episode. Yeah, she didn't want to get that, married. Yeah, I, I didn't want to get married because I didn't want to be with someone who was groomed for marriage. She was groomed to be either submissive or was groomed to be the controller or was groomed to cast their dreams aside and just live in my shadow or, you know, their husband's shadow or however they were socialized. I didn't want that. I wanted someone who was as driven, wanted someone who valued their autonomy as much as I value mine and wanted to live their own journey just as much as I want to live mine. And when you, when you think about how we're, wow. um, wow. I mean, you know, Jesus. When you, when you, <laughs> a motorcycle. I was really trying to make a profound point. <laughs> but when you think about- You were, I was with you too. I know, <laughs> that was so good. <laughs> about how we're socialized think about how hard that that think about how hard it's, it is to find that in the world you know what I'm saying? so i thought i was never gonna find that yeah i mean damn it i was really on a roll <laughs> i know i was with you i was like yes Wait, all, all of those things 100 percent, definitely i never wanted to get married in the past because i knew that i am pro-divorce because as somebody who doesn't want to be ever under the control of another person, like I would not put myself in a situation for a lifetime commitment, like not even to Aaron. There's no lifetime commitment here that I will promise because I don't know, I have something against like promising something that I don't know if I can keep or not. Yeah. But it's more about like this intention, you know, like the two of us have talked about not wanting to get married because we don't want not, not any judgment to anybody that does want to get married. Um, but just for us personally, we don't want that, that binding agreement that is contractual and that can sometimes feel like it derails the underlying like effort that goes into the relationship. So every year we have, well, we've had one right right we're about to have we're another one i know oh, we have an option to renew that, that. <laughs> instead of a wedding anniversary we have an option to renew and we sit down and we say like here's why i want to like invest in in this for another year and so it's not the assumption that you have now one time entered into this agreement that will last the rest of your life but it's this this it's an intentional process that you now sit down and you're saying like all right like if I I'm choose gonna, you. I choose you year after year after year. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I want that option. Um, and it's, you know. It's and, motivated by positive reinforcement. Mm -hmm. You know, like, like I want what, what you have to mm -hmm. offer. Right. Not because right. I can't get out of it. We always have these conversations like, you know, where's your love tank? Like, are yeah. you full? Like, where are you at? Like, where are you at personally? Where, how, how am I doing? Loving you the way that you know, like you need to be loved in this moment. Where are some areas that I can improve on? And like, we talk, I'm not kidding. It's almost kind of trippy, like how similar I think I mean, we yeah. are as a couple. Cause we talked about that. Like, I think it was a meme, like a few years ago going around where it was like, don't like, do you agree that, you know, marriages should have like yearly or whatever renewals. And I'm like, actually, like, mm -hmm. I don't think that's a bad idea at all. Yeah. And that like, I think it does, it It makes you be intentional about what it is that you're doing versus trying to like model something that, or, you know, and do these things that you just think you're supposed to, I guess. I don't mm -hmm. know. 
cultural norms. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love that love tank. I know this kind of conversation you can just keep going on and on and on, but the idea of the love tank, like it's just a different way to conceptualize that because we have identified these things that are shared values for us. And so when our now like your love tank, like if I can think about that, generally we can go back to those values and it's like, well, we haven't done this or we're missing this or our life is devoid of like laughter and playfulness. Like we we had a struggle this past weekend and we were having a conversation before um, like a couple hours ago and you're like, I'm, I'm feeling, can I say this? Yeah. yeah. Uh, like I'm feeling, you know, like defensive or a little bit guarded and I wish I knew what we needed, but when I figured it out, I'll let you know. And so like we came back, we were sitting in the pool and we came back and I was like, you know, usually when we get like this, it's because we haven't contacted any sort of joy together. And usually like we laugh and that will relieve a lot of this tension and put down guards. And so we sat down, we watched stand-up comedy together, you know, yeah, but that's yeah. knowing that playfulness is one of our values and that, wow, like we really haven't had that the past couple of days, you mm -hmm. know, and we can connect through that method, that mode right now, because that's what's available to us. And so that love tank, I like that. I that's cool. That's cool. We're going to have to, we're going to use that. We're going to adopt that. Love <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so when I got your text and I promise I'll wrap up, when I actually got your text, I literally apparently was texting you this message asking y'all if y'all have seen, what is that Kristen Stewart new movie on Hate Hate it. Dude, I was texting you that because I was upset. I was like, this is trash. So we can talk about that, I guess. <laughs> but I was like, I feel like, because everybody was like, oh my God, have you guys seen it? And I'm like, you guys like it because they're lesbians, not because it's good, number one. And we're not even going to talk about the whole like fetish, whatever. Anyways, but besides that, it was just, I don't know, it was just fucked up. And I was like, I feel like it was the straightest gay movie I've ever seen. Yeah. It was made to be palpable for, okay. for a large scale audience. And it was no way reflective of any experience of coming out. No. And it was like, okay, so because you're not ready to come out yet, but you want me, you want to like sneak me into your family's house. Like I can now be insulted by your family all the time because you're not ready to like, no, I just, it was a lot. Like, just, you know. And 10 minutes after somebody outs me, I'm going to show up at a gas station and be fully in, ready to go. Like, and where's all the fucking like trauma that has now come from that yeah. your relationship is is trashed like you're done trash. but you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna propose to you like two seconds later and we're gonna live happily ever after because that's what good old lesbians do <laughs> stop it I anyways i knew you'd it would have been more realistic it would have been more believable had there been a u-haul at the end of that movie in some way shape or form like they had there was some kind of U haul where they like stopped. I mean, U haul would have come a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some U haul reference they could have like. I was like, I feel like Aaron's gonna hate this. So anyway, <laughs> thank y'all so much for coming on the podcast. Like, this has been fun, and I just am very upset with COVID. It's a long episode. You might need to cut um, that. I know, <laughs> but I appreciate it. Like, honestly, like I just. I really wanted to to reach out to couples that I thought would be just as real and transparent and imperfect as we are. Um, so I just, I'm so, so happy that y'all joined this. I cannot wait to meet y'all in person. Oh, oh, I feel like I have, like this is I know. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so weird. Like you, Tammy, you and I have talked so much. Yeah. Yes. I'll tell you, I mean, it's been awesome to get to know you guys. And I think especially with the pandemic and how isolated we all are, like, I haven't gotten to know anybody new for a very long time, it feels like. Mm -hmm. So like, I don't know, getting to hear about you all and the way that your relationship is and your own personal histories and everything. Thank you. 
Yeah, thank you. All right, well, I'm gonna take a little pee break and I will be back. As always, please send all of the goodies to the inbox on Instagram at lovesexaba. That includes questions, comments, um, really anything, anything about relationships, love, sex, ABA, pop culture, um, suggestions on what I should talk about, all of the goods. If you are interested in being on the show with me, I would love to have you. Please send me an email at lovesexabapodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's lovesexabapodcast at gmail.com. And last but certainly not least, please be you know, giving and please be open and honest with any of your um, reviews, any of your thoughts, all that stuff. I'm hoping for a five star and um, a really, really good review from you all. So if you feel inclined, please go ahead and just leave me those five stars and leave me a nice review. Um, And always, please just subscribe to the podcast. I am on all of the, or in all of the places, I should say, where you can listen to your podcast. So Apple Podcast, Anchor, the whole nine. Speaking of reviews, I just want to shout out my just wonderful, 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 wonderful family from Study Notes ABA slash Behavior Bitches for all the love and support. I'm pretty sure this review is from one of you all. But it says, Cami is like my long lost sis, and I'm so proud of this podcast. As someone who also runs a podcast, I know the hard work it takes to put into each episode. So honored we were guests keep making moves, and the show keeps getting better and better. Love you, mean it, and I love you all back. So thank you all so much to my sisters, Liat and Casey, over at Behavior Bitches and Study Notes. All right, that is it for this week. Please join me next time on Love, Sex, and Applied Behavior Analysis, the podcast where ABA and pop culture meet.